Hello and welcome to episode 39 of Entertainment of Excellence, the podcast where we talk about films, TV, all of it. Hi, I'm Ollie. I'm Tom. And I'm Ben. And today we're talking about the 1998 film, The Truman Show. This may contain spoilers. So, um, the Truman Show, which is about, uh, if you have never heard of it before, is about Truman, uh, and basically his entire life has been broadcast 24-7 as a TV show. So, it's in a massive dome studio that's, like, the size of a, uh, like a city or something. Um... And basically every aspect of his life is controlled, like all the people he interacts with. Uh, and it's been going for 30 years. And But he then starts to realise that something is wrong because the actor that played his dad comes back to try and tell him after he was killed. And um, there's, you know, he notices a lot of strange occurrences, like problems with the radio that means he can hear the extras directions and stuff like that and then he eventually does manage to escape and confront the creator of uh i mean basically his reality in an epic final scene and in case yes. i don't see you all right i'll see you <laughs> <laughs> nice one nice one bringing it back on brand i'm proud of you ben that is, I'm going to say, <laughs> that, Ben, that is the top quote you've ever said in your entire life. Oh, like, there's you. nowhere to go but down now. That's good. <laughs> well, good I that's where I belong. Episode, yeah. Um, it was crazy. So, what do, you think of, what do you think of the premise? Because it, it is actually, like, really original for the time. I mean... You could draw parallels with the Matrix, but this was before. This was a year before the Matrix. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, and just the idea of someone's whole life being broadcast on television was quite strange because I think Big Brother is credited with being like the first proper reality show, and that started in two thousand, so two years after this. Uh, so this was the thing had never really been heard of before or this kind of idea, it would have been very strange. And it was obviously... Uh, and the, like, the idea was obviously really fleshed out because it had a whole montage at the start of people saying like why they watch Truman. It's like, it's comforting because it's just... Uh, is like raw reactions. It's He's relatable. Um... And like all else, everything else is controlled. It's like there's nothing fake. It's all like true. It's yeah, true, it's man. True, man. Let's <laughs> make the same that. joke. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think for a contemporary audience, it would definitely be like very groundbreaking, and it was it almost set up a lot of what came later. Not necessarily in terms of films, but as you were saying about reality TV shows and stuff like that. But I, I definitely think. We'll probably come to it later, but there's the the question of morality about whether he his life is better because everything's controlled and he's like in this bubble that um although it's artificial, it's it's safe and that's why a lot of it's comforting to a lot of people. But then also obviously there's the debate that he has no free will and he's been controlled by this corporation. Yeah. It's it's a, like a great idea because also just the uh, the way he has to grapple with coming to realise it is quite difficult. I mean, because obviously the, you'll get, there are like people with genuine mental conditions where they think that, uh, you know, their reality is simulated or everyone isn't real around them. So it's kind of a weird thing to have that to actually happen. <laughs> Or in the context of the film, um, and it, it you can feel insane, and there's you know if you're looking at people, they seem to be acting odd, and like seeing that the lift thing where it goes back and it's some kind of like breakout room for the extras with snacks and stuff, um, like all, all the little things that it does without it being like really blunt and on the nose helps to flesh out the world like that and the radio broadcasting directions to the extras was cool uh at the start when it's the fallen lamp which says Sirius on so they've obviously got lights for like every actual or every visible star in the sky um but it doesn't it's never like extremely on the nose about everything it's it doesn't explicitly explain stuff yeah. Um like you can see the you know, one of my favourite subtle things is every time you run run into the doppelgangers, they'd push him against the billboard where he'd see them so that the camera could display the advert on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the whole world's really flushed out because it also obviously if you're if you're running an island that's like uh, in a whole dome, and you've got these incredibly expensive, like hidden camera setups. You'd want to finance it somehow, and that's kind of shown through product product placement. So it, it's like everything in the world is for sale. You can buy like the extras' outfits and stuff. And obviously, there are these like weird commercial sort of rants that his wife will go on that are like subtle enough that he won't notice in his own world but like uh breaking the f she like breaks the fourth wall and if you're watching it's just like wow this is this uh particular lawnmower brand damn we should go buy it yeah <laughs> just it's little things like that they didn't um something that they could have done which would have allowed for a massive twist would be like you sort of experience it as Truman and you like you're meant to sort of pick up on the clues that this isn't reality but i i guess that would sort of make it more difficult to advertise and do trailers for but i think it's quite they don't like right from the start you know it opens with the interviews with the cast members but then you also have these things breaking down right from the very start with the 
light falling down. So, you know, there's the sense that this is like a somewhat idealized uh, world for him. But then throughout it, you always have these uh, hints that something's not quite right. Yeah, Yeah. I like the fact that they were the world seemed to be breaking down like even from the start and like yeah. obviously when you have flashbacks and stuff with like true but there's a kid like going over a wall or something that would just like reveal cameras behind it or something like the fact that there's it requires like so much effort to keep this sort of illusion alive um i, I really liked that but of course for like truman it's as you said earlier, Tom, that like there are mental illnesses that way you will feel like you're constantly being watched or you're constantly there's a conspiracy around you, like uh, some schizophrenic episodes and stuff. So you'll you'll kind of dismiss a lot of uh, stuff like this as just like uh, flights of weird thoughts. So he's probably been essentially in denial his whole life. And it's only like once his dad returns is the catalyst for the events of the rest of the film and ultimately breaking free because that's just such a big event uh, that's had a huge impact on his life. Yeah, yeah. And the this kind of simulated environment also helps to bring in some interesting ideas about like the human condition. Well, or at least how a human is made because because he's been because you see he's been living in this idealized world that it kind of crafts him into just a really like standard plain guy like you know the whole good morning if and i and if i don't see you good afternoon good evening and good night like and he works at a desk job and uh he has to have a wife and it's kind of the way that it's tailored it shows you how like you can human beings can be like a product of their environment uh and it kind of shows that idea and then also at the same time talks about the morality of doing so because they they don't want him to have the you know his original love for exploring because they don't want him to leave so what they do is they like they create the most traumatic event in his entire life where He's gone out on a boat with his dad and they engineer his dad's death and make it look like it's his fault so that he'll never go over the water again. And there's a lot of moments in this film where it feels quite horrific. Like, I mean, the rating in Britain is only like PG, but (laughs) they manage to get elements of almost horror in, but in quite a psychological way, like just a existentially terrifying ideas like that one um so a lot of time it can leave you feeling like quite frustrated yeah there's a lot of stuff like that that it sort of derives from horror and it would definitely be horror i think um something that kind of like light not so much lightened the moods but sort of like gave you a bit of breathing space um so that like all this horrific stuff doesn't overwhelm you is sort of like the uh, about halfway through the story shifts from like being focused entirely on Truman to like 
showing the creator Kristoff and the directors behind the scenes and and everything in the in the moon studio because they're in the moon. Uh, I found that was quite an intri an interesting way of doing it because my thought would have been well you just follow Truman the whole time as he starts to break free but um no I kind of like the shift in perspective and uh now when things start to go wrong you're getting both sides because you're getting Truman becoming more and more confident that he's right and you've also got the directors behind the scenes going completely wild because he's going off script yeah, it's like it's everything's presented as being really meticulously crafted and designed. And I know how in an interview, Christoph says that they'd say something like the show, the revenue of the show is uh, the equivalent of the GDP of some countries. And he's like, we need a whole country's population to run it. So you're genuinely offering those two perspectives. Um, it definitely sort of breaks the facade of everything being perfect. And as Tom was saying, that's sort of how uh, Truman himself is presented, but it's not um, its not necessarily what the reality is. And then as you also see the perspective of the, the people watching it and like these massive fans, but they're not as I think is perfectly encapsulated in the, the final shot where, you have these two people saying, oh, what else is on it? It doesn't really mean anything to them. I think that definitely is very relevant, especially with uh, reality TV shows, how you get in a glimpse on this person's life, and um, but you, you fail to ever fully empathise with them, and you sort of just move on as your day goes on. Yeah, because yeah, those different perspectives of people watching made what for me was like the most gut-wrenching moment which is when they bring his father back and say that he was just missing and like had amnesia so for everyone watching it's this kind of like heartwarming moment where he's reunited with his dad but when you see it from Truman's perspective or maybe not even Truman's perspective like just knowing that everything's fake it's like they've engineered this moment and it's to stop him from like living an actual true life and i don't know that that moment for me was like oh. <laughs> even though this is the second time i've watched it it was still yeah and you've got the directors uh narrating what's going on whilst uh truman like walks up to his dad and hugs him yeah it's and like, like uh, and music swell <laughs> and music swell we need the crane shot and yeah. cut yeah, that it was. Oh, that that scene is one where. So I think overall the film is like quite. It's pretty fast paced. Like the screenplay is really like it's a tight screenplay. There's no scenes that are unnecessary, and it can. You know, I, I was definitely never bored. It was an absolute blast to watch it. But that that scene, like it knew to slow down and follow all the sh like. It then makes you. You know, you realise that the film you're watching is meticulously like put together all these shots and when to cut and the movement of the camera and it, I don't know, it's sewing it down and seeing, you know, in the the way that they're effectively doing the same thing with his emotions and 
uh, like his life plans. It, it was that was a really effective scene for me. Yeah, because there's like the mix of it being really emotional in that you sort of feel re- relieved for Truman, but at the same time, he is being manipulated, and it's it's again this thing that's set up by an external force, and it's he obviously is invested in this reality, whereas you know it's not true. But I think. As you were saying about the pacing, this is, I've also watched this before, but I think another factor that definitely contributes quite a lot to it being so easy to watch is the humour and just the comedic aspects, because I I definitely think Jim Carrey was cast really well in this. I, I think he played the role of Truman really well, but I also just like other things like how every time anything starts to go wrong, his friend just rushes around with like a six pack of beer to sort everything out <laughs> and stuff like that yeah. now that's a beer <laughs> yeah and there's so many great and they're like independent rain cloud that starts following him around yeah um, and every time I mean actually some parts you can see is funny but also is kind of like part of it being like oh oh no <laughs> aspect where like if he ever chases after anyone like you know you'll get a bike riding in front of him someone in a wheelchair will go past the bus's doors or close or in the hospital there's a guy with a, a like a tray thing that uh, that covers up the entire corridor will come past yeah um, there's loads of ridiculous stuff like that <laughs> it's not like a ha 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 funny it's uh, sort of like gentle humour to sort of keep you invested and sort of make you warm to Truman as a character. Yeah. Um, I and it's often like incorporated really well. Like the obviously there's the scene with the iconic like where he draws the astronaut helmet on the mirror. That's an iconic scene which you know in itself it's kind of dumb and you know they're like, oh it's he's back to his normal self and then you get the that one was for free. There's like loads of oh you yeah. know, he he, he used like catching on, and it's I don't know they they work in the comedy like really well without it ever feeling forced or odd. Uh, I don't know. It was always good. Yeah, because I think the comedy definitely works well with like the existential themes. Because even when you have like the when he's confronting his wife and she's sort of doesn't really know what to do so she reverts back to breaking the fourth wall with the advertisement and on the face of it that's quite a a comedic moment just because it's so jarring and out of place but then when you start to think about it it sort of builds on this idea that everything is fake for him and um, he's sort of being exploited for uh, this corporation to make money yeah I mean I just want to like quickly rattle through some top moments like uh one of them is the scene where like where he does discover the thing behind the elevator and there's that like really wide shot of him you know going into different buildings where he's not supposed to be and just kind of you like go through the revolving door loads that all the shots worked really well and his kind of like confusion but also determination was like portrayed really well by jim carrey and also at that point i think there's that was probably the highlight for the soundtrack for me because the soundtrack then was playing kind of like a strange... I think it had like the most iconic 
melody as well that bit I, I can't remember exactly how it goes but when i if i ever heard it i'd be like oh yeah but i remember the rhythm being like it's it's quite odd it uses an odd time signature and it repeats in a slightly different way where it adds like another beat and it just emphasizes this sense of feeling something wrong and mm. something out of place i so i thought it was really effective there yeah, uh, and I mean the guy that has to play the live music—that's a bit of a difficult job. It's just. <laughs> what was the guy on the bike doing at the? Is that like supposed to be running the tape or something? I couldn't I quite figure out what he was doing. Having a break, I don't know. Yeah, I think they just <laughs> had it in there. Uh, one of my favourite like slow moments was just when you saw Tuman on the T. Te- like it's the shot that's on the poster. It's Tuman like just asleep on the tv and there's like people relaxing to him and it that that's like a really good embodiment of this film because you know when when you're sleeping that's like that's when you want your most sense of privacy uh and it's just like everyone around the world is just watching him sleep yeah Uh, and you know people use it to relax and it's kind of just like the, the that that's just was really effective for me I thought that was cool. Yeah. yeah. Bravo. I mean, standout scene for me was probably the interview with Christoph and then the the previous cast member, I can't remember her name, but the person that there was like the love interest. Sylvia. Yeah. Sylvia's a real name. Yeah. Because, you know, that the only criticism I'd have slightly is it felt like it was, it wasn't really it was like held not showing because it was sort of you know you could work out the the morality argument without having to see that film that interview like which explicitly outlined a lot of these debates but i think it was you know it didn't in the interesting thing about that and what i felt uh sort of subverted a lot of the what you'd kind of expect from a film like this is it didn't really Lee, it didn't really say either side was right. Like the, you never really saw any sense of regret from Christoph, and he was genuinely like. Even once Truman had found out that he was in the show, he was still saying he can still stay because this is a, a safe place where you know you you're away from all the corruption of the real world. So I think it there was like a sense of ambiguity created through that interview, and then also obviously in the ending when. He breaks out. Uh, that interview had my favourite quote as well, because it's the only I actually wrote it down. Because <laughs> Ed Harris says, "Like we accept the reality of the world with which we are presented," and yeah. that part to me kind of almost made it feel like the film was that was like an inspirational moment, where it's or or just supposed to be like the pit of <laughs> despair for some people, where. It's kind of saying, like, you know, all these people that are working dead-end jobs or they're not really happy with the financial situation or something, you know, people will just accept the status quo and maybe not think about even, like, radical change or um, or following maybe a more artistic career, even if it's not as financially uh, fulfilling. It's it, it brought up a lot of ideas about that to me, like, not just saying 
you know, what if the Matrix? So there was, I felt like it was saying more than that. Yeah. About yeah. just accepting your situation. And, uh, you know, it's a thing of maybe people in more, like, oppressed environments, uh, you know, they, you just have to accept that you live there. But, you know, maybe I felt like the film was saying maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> That was so. Yeah, that that yeah. quote was pretty epic. In a weird way, that's it. Sort of explored kind of similar themes to uh, the the uh, Marvel show that came out this week, One Division, about like an idealized reality that you know begins to break down. That's true, but I mean, <laughs> probably shouldn't talk about One Division too much, but. Uh... But it seems to be implied that the Wanderers bring that upon herself, so I don't yeah. know what's I don't know what's happening with that. Yeah, that's kind of wacky. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, we can't really because we don't actually know what's happening. <laughs> um. Anyway, back to the Truman Show. Yeah. I, I'm just gonna point out I mean, that Truman's a massive simp. After like. <laughs> Years later, still piecing together the girl's face with pictures <laughs> from porn magazines. That's true. Uh, as well as Jim Carrey's performance, I just want to point out like the other ones. So uh, Laura Linney as Meryl was good, but uh, before talking about her, I just want to talk about um, Marlon, who's played by Noah Emmerich. The I think probably the scene with the best acting in for me was when um, Truman had gone to the harbour because he wanted to try and escape and then Marlon was there with him saying like if everyone's in on it then I have to be and I know I'm not in on it and and he has to say the last thing I would ever do to you is lie to you or the last thing I would ever do is lie to you well, and he's being, being fed, fed this line and it's just like the the face well it's Marlon but the actor's not actually called Marlon Oh wait! Oh, he might be. I can't remember. But like the face that he has before he says that, it's so like, oh, you know, he's starting to question: is this, is this okay? This is, you know, he's he knows that he's betraying the person that he's supposed to be best friends with. Yeah, I love um, that subtle dichotomy between like the the intentions and beliefs of Christoph and well, mainly Christoph, but also like. You know, you assume the directors and the people outside of the actual world, and then the the actors who are sort of um, they they've just accepted this because for a lot of them they've probably spent their whole life in this world, so it has become their world as well. But they they can't really resist this dialogue that they're being fed and forced to say. But you can definitely, especially in that scene, see that sense of doubt, and also when um, he when as I mentioned before, he's like confronting his wife, and she says, uh, "Can someone help me out?" And she, yeah, she uh, says, "Do something." Yeah, so I love that, that um, like the yeah. doubt and the resistance of the the actors themselves. Yeah, Laura Linney did really well in that scene, and the one where he's trying to drive out of—is it called Sea Haven, the city? I think yeah. it's Sea Haven. Um, the, like that bit, Laura Linney did really well, but. I've also like she's also in Ozark in that she has that quite desperate at times, but I mean that was good. And did did you ever catch on like what happened at the surgery scene? Because 
all of the actors in in the in the operating theater were kind of like what do we do what do we do he's watching and then like they move for an incision or something and then they kick something over and have to actually the guard then pulls down the curtain but then one of them says like we'll get someone in to clean this up it's like did did he actually like start cutting the person's leg off what (laughs) they were just trying to make it look like that so it sound like that yeah did they know he was there because like is that what they always do even when no one's around just pretend to do the operation oh yeah i assume they have to um like start pretending in case he does suddenly go around I assume it's just um, like as long as he's in like the vicinity, you need to be working. Uh, yeah. In case you know he just suddenly makes a run for it. Yeah. Uh, they they definitely knew that at that point because yeah. they were getting like extras in to stop stop him uh, going there and stuff. But yeah, I mean it's cool. <laughs> I and I liked one of the other little things was that they'd. As soon as anything happened that made him start to doubt the world, they'd get they'd have to get someone to stand near the newspaper stand with the headline showing like, "Oh, this is the explanation for that weird thing," <laughs> uh, and like the elevator thing. And then his uh, his wife says like, "Did you hear about the elevator shaft in the other building? Uh, imagine if you'd have been then in there, you could have died." <laughs> so that's why they were doing this construction, and it's like. Yeah, okay. We see. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of um, the little things like that as the audience, you just like, yeah, all right, sure. Um, <laughs> you do you. But um, I guess it, it just really makes you think that if you, were tra- if you were trapped in there rather than Truman and you, you'd been raised your whole life to believe this, then stuff like that wouldn't necessarily be as jarring you you probably just wouldn't notice it um and i don't know i kind of felt this odd like feeling of while i was watching the film what would happen if i'd grown up in there what happened what would have happened if this was me uh and like that realization that you'd probably be no different to truman you'd like waltz around your daily life uh and just sort of comply because you wouldn't notice things are wrong, and then when you do, yeah. you'll just like dismiss them. Um, that's sort of like, I guess, kind of like scary, but also like fascinating. I guess. Yeah, especially when the people that he thinks he can trust the most have been told to tell him things that almost um, imply that he's insane in some way, and like that he's the only one that's questioning this whereas you know as i was saying they're doubting whether that is justified or not but something else that i thought was quite interesting is like i've sort of questioned one of the frequently asked questions is why isn't truman angry at the end and i think that's quite an interesting debate because like i guess it links back to that is it immoral or not because you know he's been in this uh, state where he hasn't really been exposed to anything and that's why uh, that's why people ultimately watch it because it's that sense of escapism and comforting but he doesn't I guess there's like a sense of excitement perhaps in the, at the end because yeah. he's not necessarily angry but he's just 
optimistic like he's been presented the whole film about what what's next in his life yeah yeah i, I see it as him not being angry because he's initially is obviously angry about it, like his whole world being fake but then at that point you know the there's the ominous door to the outside world and he knows that he's able to leave and that i think for once in his life he realizes he's in control yeah because uh, he is still like snarky yeah to christoph and stuff and um yeah i think it's just there's so many different feelings going on that he just can't <laughs> i don't know I, so I think it makes sense. that that end scene was like probably would have been perfect for me apart from that it kept cutting in like sh shots of people watching the show and also sylvia and to be honest that kind of annoyed me i i would have preferred um the, the last scene if it was just between him and christoph yeah i like uh, the that's one of my few gripes i like the cuts of people watching throughout the rest of the film but it in the end, it just felt a bit jarring, like it broke up the sort of natural progression of the story, like, um, yeah. especially in that final scene. Um, but I, I kind of like, I kind of liked the uh the whole Sylvia subplot, um, with the fact that obviously she felt guilty about um lying to Truman and tried her best to tell the truth but like oh yeah i i liked that subplot i just didn't like the way it was handled at the end oh yeah um, yeah yeah, yeah I, I thought i thought that was a good subplot like and the only other gripe i had so there's the like shots of different people at the end and the only other thing was it wasn't always very clear if the shot that you could see was like part of the show or not because obviously some of them definitely were, you know, you could see like the, these hidden cameras, but then some shots were definitely like, there's no way it would be possible to get these kind of moving shots without just having a cameraman right in front of him. Yeah. So I, I think it, it could have been a bit more clear, but they're there, but they're like the only criticism that I've got. I think most yeah. of the shots in the movie were like, um, just uh to to tell the story rather than to uh show what's actually going on on the screen because i i noticed there was a there was like two different camera styles um obviously because mm. most of them that are in like buttons and in objects and hidden so you've got these sort of uh small lens um narrow shots as opposed to some of the wider ones you'd ha have with the film cameras uh, to tell the story. Which is why my, my only criticism is kind of nitpicking a bit, is like um, the sort of jarringness between that. And you you do see some shots from what was obviously in the show. So you you do see a couple of shots from buttons and stuff. But then when it gets to him, his dad returning, and it's like cut to the crane shots, and you get the you physically see on the screen these like, uh, film camera uh, shots with like cranes, and it's cut to this and that, and it looks like really 
beautiful, beautifully done. I'm just, just kind of take it out of the story for a second. I'm like, wait, where's the where's the crane? Where did they hide a crane? <laughs> yeah, I think um, I definitely agree with the just coming back to the thing about the Sylvia at the end. Um, but I'd actually kind of like to see more of the Sylvia subplot because yeah, I feel like when he first opened up that box and like it's got these really evocative items that bring back these memories and they sort of deal with it through flashbacks which are cheesy and i like i guess that's kind of meant to embrace the fact that uh reality shows like this are inherently cheesy a bit but uh not the film itself but like the the premise of the show that it, that it takes place in but um i'd kind of like to see more of that i don't really know if that would be her in the world with truman or like, as you say, when she's outside of it. I'd have liked to see her somehow try and contact Truman from the outside. I don't know how that would have worked. Um, yeah. I, like, I can't really think of it, but I, th I felt that as an idea, that would have been quite cool. Maybe, like, she tried to send something inside. I don't, I don't know. Just something that, like, he knows she's still alive, and then he sort of has that motivation to, like... Uh, well, like, not that the motivation to find out what's really happening isn't enough, but like sort of a, a bit more to sort of drive him on. Um, although I guess maybe that might sour the ending a little bit because you know that he ends up going outside to like get the girl, you know. Um, whereas here, you know, he doesn't know she's out there and it's just really down to whether he would prefer the outside world or the world he's been living in his own life. I don't know. Yeah, because, I mean, you def you definitely see moments of, like, people trying to break in because there's the the moment where, like, he opened, where he's opening presents and then that guy jumps out of the box and then there's someone parachuting down. But And also the fact that he has this... Uh, the, um, the thing that says how's it going to end that is constantly with him that's like a reminder of sylvia and i guess uh i i know it might be a bit of a stretch but i've seen that uh obviously truman is you know meant to represent true man it almost reminds me of um in death of a salesman like they're called the low man family so it's meant to like represent regular people but then i've seen the Christoph is meant to almost sound like Christ, so I guess there could sort of be a oh, religious yeah. aspect to it, and at the end where mm. he's like ascending to meet Christoph, I guess you could read into it that way. I mean, I assume that how's it going to end, like, Button is some kind of like protest group Button, uh, or pin. I don't yeah. know, because... I completely I, it... forgot what the word was, I was like <laughs> Button, <laughs> I just forgot what it was <laughs> Yeah, uh, that I, because you know that that is obviously a question. How would how would it end? It's got to end with him dying, and uh, but it did interesting things like without saying it. Like obviously, Christoph said, "Oh, the reason he wants him to have a baby is for like the first on-air conception." Uh, <laughs> but you know that's also a way to extend the life of the show. Then you know you then you follow his kids and. Uh, and yeah. you can just have it going on and on and on. 
Uh, that was quite a scary thought, so... Yeah, that was cool. But uh, to go back to the subplot about Sylvia, I think that uh, it was perfect how it was. Sorry, fellas. <laughs> I liked it uh, being like... I think it was big enough without being like too invasive, so... Uh, you're objectively wrong, basically. Uh, excuse me, this is two to one, so you're objectively oh, wrong. Oh no! And most of all, you're a special guest. Oh yeah. no! So I thought I wasn't a special guest anymore! Watch out, or you'll have your speaking privileges removed. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> back in the basement with the cockroaches. No! And with that, I think it's time to wrap up the reviews. Uh, just want to say something quickly. Um, the the name you were on about the name True Man, a True Man, sounds quite cool. It's like his his name. I'd like to draw parallels with the the Roman from Robot Monster. <laughs> uh, Guys, so I want to draw Man. parallels to Harry S. Truman. I don't know if you've heard of him. <laughs> He was that about, one guy. About yeah. Harry Truman, the the guy that didn't want to move house. Oh man, we we need to... I, what? <laughs> so oh, no. uh, slight tangent in like <laughs> geography. Uh, be watching this documentary about like Mount St Helens and its eruption a while back, <laughs> and uh, uh, <laughs> there was just this one like American like old man who was just like had lived there on his whole life. He was just like, I don't want to move. I'm staying here. I was born here. I'll die here. That kind of stuff. But like, you couldn't understand a word he was saying. It kind of just sounded like... <laughs> apparently there was meant to be a Harry Truman song, but we never got to hear that, unfortunately. And Whoa. the implication is he think... died in the eruption, so... Whoa, I guess you could Harry say Truman. Harry Truman's... A... The opposite of Truman. Damn. He, this he is deep. Stay where. Yeah. <laughs> he he just stays where he is. He like he's complete completely happy with living his own uh existence, without uh, vo uh voyaging into the rest of the world. <laughs> he he took <laughs> he took the blue pill. Okay, should we rate <laughs> the Truman Show? <laughs> I think that comparison to Harry Truman has actually bumped up my rating a bit. <laughs> <thought about it. laughs> Pretty deep stuff. Yeah, it really gives another interpretation to the whole thing, really. Anyway. There's probably about four people that know what we're talking about. <laughs> four people? Know, We've got like Harry one Truman. listener. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the world, uh, yeah, yeah, in the entire Harry world, Truman's and one of them is Mrs. Collis. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Go to entertainmentofaccents.weebly.com. Go to the Hall of Fame section, and there's a link to every rating and order, which we always use to uh, fine tune our ratings. So, um, I haven't looked at the IMDb score, but I. I seem to remember it being like quite low, 
Like, was it in the early... It's not. No. Was it? <laughs> what is it? I mean, it's lower than the Meta It's 8.1. Oh, right. I thought it was like 7.4. Okay. No. no, that makes sense. Um. Yeah, I was going to go probably like in the 8s. Uh, in a top in in the top five at least. I I liked it better than Stalker, but did I like it better than I'm thinking of ending things? Hmm. I'm pretty sure I gave Room less than Stalker. Uh, than I'm thinking of ending yeah. things. Okay, I did. So. <sighs> I mean, I guess it it kind of has some th similar themes to I'm thinking of ending things. It could be an interesting comparison if anyone wants to do an essay on it. Uh, eight point. I'm gonna go eight point one on par with I'm thinking of ending things. Nice. Um, I guess it could say in a way it also has some similar themes to Room as well because. You know, he's like confined to this world, but obviously, like, and if he's comparing him to the child in room, like, that's all he knows. But, um, I'm gonna give it the same as room, actually, or the same that I gave it, which is an 8.3. Oh, well, I'm gonna go 10 on par one with being John Malkovich and give it an 8.4. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Damn. So it was pretty epic. That is the highest rating I've given as well. Well done. Plus Wait, what, did you runner. give Blade Runner like 8.4? 8 8.3. 8 Ooh. Ooh. This, is your, this is the best film of all time in your opinion. Um these are the only well, films that exist. Actually joint with being John Malkovich. Well yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're averaging on 8.3, which puts it Damn. in, oh. Joint second. Oh, yeah. <laughs> By room, like you've been knocked off. Third place, because uh, being John Markovich is the, like the same, but with an 8.2 rather than an 8.1. I could bump up my yeah. rating, but I, I think I like it that way. So, cool. damn. You know what that means? That means it goes into uh, the Hall of Fame in the top rated ever. <gasps> Bumping off a room. It also goes into the top rated movies. And it Whoa. also goes into the top rated <laughs> comedy. And what about top rated TV shows? I don't know, don't go animation. <laughs> do we need to rate the top rated do we need musical? To rate the Truman Show within Truman Show separately? Top rated musical? What? <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> oh. Top rated sci fi? Question mark? See, I, I think the actual Truman Show within the Truman Show, I wouldn't rate that that high. <laughs> it seems kind of boring, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you watch them on sleep? Like. <laughs> Yeah, like, I, I get if you were, That's like... That's a thing. People watch street, uh, sleep streams on weird. Twitch. That's a thing. I'd like... Did you not know that? Do uh, people yeah, donate? Well, yeah. Yes. Hell yeah. I'm going to start <laughs> one. 
You can watch Ben from E of E podcast sleep. The E of E sleep stream. The sl- ben, the- but you never sleep. It's going to be terrible. Yeah, it'd be good for American viewers. <laughs> Dude, uh, like, I I get that if there was, like, highlights or something, but then even when he's not asleep, most of his life is just the exact same day over and over again. Like, yeah. maybe... They've, the- they've got best of tapes. They, if you they remember, do. they mention it at the bar. Is that a bar <laughs> just devoted to the Truman Show? Yeah. 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 But I mean, it had a thing of like, you know, vlogging exists now, and uh, he's supposed to be fairly like witty, and they they added like fake developments. Like, mm. Oh, this is his yeah. new love interest now. Even <laughs> if he doesn't like her, don't care. <laughs> Sees her once, then just like escapes. Yeah. Is I the only one that thought that the people that actually ran the um, Truman Show bar like barely knew anything about the Truman Show, even though they like, watched it all day every day? <laughs> How do you mean? They just seemed to like like one of them knew about it, but then the other two were like, "Wait, what? What's going on here? Has this happened before? I, I don't remember this." Like that's literally all you do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that work at the Truman Show bar. Yeah. Yeah, but she might not have been working because it was a few years ago, Ollie. Honestly, I've been working there at that point. Oh, come on. Yeah, but does she not watch the best of highlights? Come on. <laughs> don't watch the highlight reels. Does she, did she not watch the episode where he lost his first two? That was a classic. <laughs> <laughs> what was your um, favourite episode? Uh, um, the one where his dad dies. I think I thought, the, I thought that I, was pretty good. I think the acting was kind of subpar in that one, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> mine was probably my favorite was probably the one where he said "Good morning" in case I don't see you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Uh, I like that one. Mine's the one where he gets good pushed against the wall by the uh, doppelgangers, <laughs> the doppelgamers. Oh yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, do we have any submission spotlights, Ben? Guess <gasps> what? We don't. Which is bad. No. And you can rectify that by sending in <gasps> your uh, work of media, be that a short film, music, uh, some kind of written thing, a story, a poem. I don't know. I think for some reason we added those. A game. We had one game submission, but then the account got banned off Twitter for some unknown reason. <laughs> um... <laughs> Go and uh, submit to us. You can contact us via our website. You can just leave a comment somewhere. Uh, DM us on social media, which is at ERV Podcast on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we're being a bit more active there now. By that, I mean mildly more active than not using them at all. Uh, <laughs> a 10 minute segment devoted to your media. And we'd love to have you on to talk about it. Uh, love a quick interview. So, and that doesn't have to be live if it's more convenient to pre record. Uh, just like to learn a bit more about you and how you created it. And then we'll give you some feedback. Uh, the appeal being we're just like normal people. We're just normal people like Truman. Damn. Truman. We are indeed Romat, true man. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, Ben's only a true boy. Oh. So sad. One day I'll lose my first tooth. <laughs> ben, how have you come up with two bagger lines this episode? Crazy. <laughs> I'm just on fire. <laughs> uh, do we have any recommendations? I've got well, do you? a recommendation. <laughs> we can also talk about One Division a bit. We can add yeah. One Division to the title, Ben, to get some clicks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'll talk about... So I watched a, quite a niche indie film, probably never heard of it, called Citizen Kane. Um, I know. I watch indie films, guys. <laughs> but, no, I actually genuinely enjoyed it. I was worried I'd be like really bored because I know quite a few reviews were like, oh, I can see why people would be bored in this. Blah, blah, blah. But I actually was never bored. I thought it was good all the way through. Like, it's two hours. That's not that long. Um, and it was just this kind of exploration of a man was like really in interesting you you because he actually had a lot of nuance like he's he's not really a good guy he's not a bad guy he's just you know it's got depth and there's uh, the final scene is like really interesting i mean when you find out what rosebud is i'm not spoiling that and also it's like the reporters is asked like did you ever find out what rosebud was and he said no and even if i did i don't think that that would explain anything like you can't just get uh, the full picture of a man from one piece of the jigsaw or something i don't know it was cool it was an interesting like look at uh a person and what defines a person because you know it's got a whole thing about principles as a theme and uh like what love is i guess is a theme uh, it's it is it's really it is really good i really liked it and also the the like dialogue is it was very groundbreaking at the time like i I knew it was famous for like people talking over each other and stuff because that had never been done before but it does actually seem like realistic dialogue you could probably if you if you you could probably make the film now with like the exact same script and it would seem pretty modern um but yeah it's definitely good so what it change your opinion on mank at all on Mank, uh, yeah. it made me realise. I don't think Mank really told me anything about Citizen Kane because I watched. It, I was like, "This is what Citizen Kane is about." I didn't. <laughs> Mank didn't really tell me any of that. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> it's maybe gone like I don't know. Mank, I don't know. <laughs> I... Citizen Kane superior to Mank. Anyway, go watch well, the un- underrated indie gem. <laughs> Citizen Kane. Do you have any Wait, more recommendations? It? You only have one. Yeah. Been busy. That's Sorry. Like two weeks in a row. <laughs> one more well, week. We're going to talk about One Division, though. You're off the podcast. Do you have Do anything, you... Ben? No. <laughs> Do you have anything, Ollie? Um. Well, I I watched uh, the Hunt, which. I think I've Tom recommended, recommended it before. Yeah, you're not allowed to recommend. Which I really it. enjoyed. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> oh, you're not allowed to say you I... enjoyed it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I thought the exact same as Tom about it. <laughs> yeah, good. Because that is the definitive opinion. Uh, and then I also played 
um, the game Limbo. I don't know if you've heard of it, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely didn't give it to you. Yeah, yeah so it, it's basically... Well, it's like a, a side-scroller, but it, it's actually, like, quite, quite dark, and it's quite... Like, if, there's not really much of a coherent story to it, but um, there's definitely things that develop as you go along that start to add up, and uh, it sort of, like, changes your perception of different points of the game, and, um, like, the actual gameplay itself and the mechanics are really fun and really... Uh, interesting ways of like getting through the the levels and stuff like that, and yeah, really enjoyed it. Nice. Cool. Um, do you talk about one division for like seven minutes? <laughs> I think that's makes it an hour. Um, so I was surprised by like how much it would really lean on the sitcom aspect. I don't know. I wasn't ready for it to be like full on 60s sitcom. Yeah. Um, I kind of liked that because it was different and. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, when I got into it, at first I was like, oh, we're doing this. <laughs> but then I did start to like the humor because it has to be quite different. Uh, and some of the jokes are kind of weird about like making fun of people finding out that, you know, vision could be maybe not a human and stuff but that was also quite sinister because i'm like i don't know what would happen if they did like it, you know and it, it does really well it's like basically whenever everything's normal it will have your you know all the kind of medium shots you expect from a multi-camera sitcom but then if, if anything starts to seem odd then it does you're more like modern uh mobile cameras like What's and stuff like that, like when didn't maybe they can learn to live with it. This will at that point it's changed to actually loops. There's a scene where Wanda picks up like a toy helicopter. I don't know why that was supposed to be odd, but <laughs> whatever. But, and obviously color. the helicopters in color, yeah. <laughs> very spooky. Um, currently, we don't really know what's actually going on. <laughs> It's, it yeah. keeps and it, it ends with it being on like a TV screen and someone going like, "Wonder, what are you doing to yourself?" I've heard um, some speculation about who that is, and I know that this took quite a lot of influence. I think it's called House of M or something like that. The comic that um that it's loosely based on, but uh, I think. I think, like, the first two episodes... I think it's going to be, like, very episode by episode in terms of the way that it deals with a lot of the story because I think that these first two were setting something up, but it's going to change very yeah. drastically as it develops. And um, I I thought that the comedy worked because, you know, if you look at a lot of Marvel films, especially Phase 3, you know, the, the comedy is actually quite a big pack behind it and I think it's it's kind of bold that they just went all out and obviously that's going to lead to some uh, some people not being a huge fan of it and it might be quite divisive especially just from these first two episodes but I don't think it's meant to be answering all the questions you know it's setting up 
ambiguities and uh, plot points that will hopefully be resolved as time goes on. Mm. Yeah. I guess we'll what see. do you think of it, Ben? I haven't seen it. Yeah, Ben, did you watch it? You definitely watched it, didn't you? Yeah, I definitely did. Oh, shame. Ben. You did. You definitely did. Oh, I, yeah, I, I definitely did. Yeah. I'm definitely not being fed lines cool. right now. Did you like it? The last thing I would ever do <gasps> to is like the Truman Show. <gasps> Whoa. <gasps> Crazy. Yeah. Um, how long have we been going, Ben? Uh, three, two, one, exactly an hour. All right. See ya. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was the three, two, one. Sorry. Uh, right, we're done. Something then, else about it. WandaVision is that. Like, <laughs> oh, sorry. It was kind of weird how they released two episodes this week, but I think the rest of the time it's just going to be one. They did and that a bit with the like, Mandalorian as well. Yeah, but I mean, a bit like with the Mandalorian as well. Like they're they're relatively short, and I think that's yeah. that's definitely works for these first two because. I think they're trying to get through them as quickly as possible before people are turned away by how weird it is. And I think for some of the Mandalorian episodes, especially in season two, like the Bo-Katan one, for instance, I thought was just way too short and they didn't really have a, a story to work with for a whole episode. That, um, and I guess that's the same in season one as well, when there was quite a, a lot of filler episodes sort of in the middle of the season. But with this, I, I don't ever feel like I feel like it's sort of the perfect length. Of, yeah, I mean, it um, makes sense. Not cause... turning you away from it being too weird, but also, you know, the the comedy in the story actually works really well. And it's like general sitcom length. Uh, yeah, and plus plus ad breaks in the middle. Cause <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for uh, the first the toaster is like is Stark Enterprises, and then the What's the other? I Hydra. can't remember what the other product is, but I remember it's Hydra. Yeah. It was a watch. Yeah. A bit like so the a bit, Truman Show. So who knows what's going on? Damn. Uh, the writers know what's going on. That's who. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that says a lot about our society. Okay. Are we are we fully done now? Yeah. Are we done? We... Ben, can you can you comedically cut off the episode really quickly well, before we, we get to... to say all right, see you? We need to say what we're doing next week. Oh, Honestly, I'm the only person that ever remembers this. <laughs> um, I don't think we've managed to find a link yet, apart from the fact that they see, both seem quite wacky. That's about it. <laughs> uh, wacky so we're doing... Yeah, <laughs> we're doing. Sorry to bother you, the 2018 film. Yeah, so watch that. <laughs> That's what we're doing. Watch it, it now. Get off the now. podcast and watch it now, one listener. Why don't Why don't they wait till later in the week so then it's more fresh in their mind when they listen to our own No, now. No, now. I guess they could watch it over and over again up until. <laughs> yeah. You have to watch it every day. Yeah. Watch a twenty-four hour loop of it. And then don't yeah. go to sleep. Just watch a. A sleep stream. <laughs> to pretend that you're asleep. Yeah. There should be sleep only fans where you ha- you sell sleep pits. <laughs> Why don't you sell okay. them? Okay. He says I haven't. Ooh. Uh, 
So follow us on the social media at ELV Podcast. Like the video. I hate saying this because it just feels cheap and like awful. But we like and subscribe. But honestly, Turn on the notification like, bell. <laughs> even with like views as minuscule as ours on YouTube, like you can see a huge difference in the videos that have got likes and, uh, compared to ones that don't. Like uh, Kangaroo Jack is now on like approaching seven hundred views just because it's got like seven likes. Um, and then any that don't have, like, at least one like just completely fail and get, like, 20 views, probably, like, five of which are us doing the timestamps. It's just, it's just weird. Like, you can visually see how much likes and, uh, I guess shares maybe would, like, uh, affect. So do like, subscribe if you feel like it, that would be good. Um, if you're listening on podcast platforms, that is good. You can... Uh, subscribe to us there uh, wait for our next episode our, our website is entertainmentofexcellence.weebly.com our social media is at ELV podcast and in case I don't see you alright see you alright see you right, see ya <laughs>